Welcome to New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. You can list check out New Hampshire Headlines every Friday during WKXL in the morning, which you can check out weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. and on demand at nhtalkradio.com. This week, we're joined by editor Jeff Feingold of the New Hampshire Business Review, nhbr.com. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here, AJ. So I had a moment this week where, where my boss, I work in a communications department, it sent me a, sent me a requested text, and he's like, "Check that out! Look at that! Isn't isn't that great? How it came out?" And then he revealed he didn't write it; he put it into ChatGPT. And I'm like, uh, "Okay, that's way too good." And it, it proceeded to make me really question uh, the future of my boss's job. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I I guess it's good, but you know. Uh, Maureen Dowd had a really interesting uh, column about this last weekend in uh, New York Times where she got the chat GPT to write like a Shakespeare play and then to do something like an Edgar Allan Poe thing. And it was it, it was it sounded good, but it really wasn't. It was very odd. It's 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 like it's like a student who can repeat things by rote. It just has 178 billion files to, to go by road by. But you know what I mean? It's not it's not a uh, it's not anything that would be that was I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned about it because I also had a similar experience with someone saying something about how uh, chat GPT can edit press releases. Mm-hmm. For the, and I said, well, yeah, you know, I guess, but not but not the way a human being could. No, like it, like it would be a good like if you had to write something up quick and you needed like a first draft that then you can go back and and tweak and kind of see like is this really what we want and you could throw it out or you could use portions of it and then like a first editor or something like that but you can't you can't send something to press that was edited via AI it just doesn't work that way well no exactly exactly I mean there's, there's there are there are great advantages to it we just, I just had someone on our podcast a while ago and from Minim the company in uh, in Manchester and she's their software development engineer. And uh, she was explaining how they use AI for their products in, in developing their products and, and working with it. And you know, that that's a, that's a different kind of application as far as I'm concerned. But when it comes to working th- on things that, you know, are uh, involve some kind of a human judgment, I, I just, I just don't, I, I just don't, I don't, I, I don't, I, I know I'm an old guy. As I, <laughs> I said many times, I'm an old guy. You know, this is stuff is all new to me. Well, as a multimedia guy. I can just ask my grandparents when I saw them sending men to the moon. Like, you know, when they were born, there was, there was no cars. Yeah. So, I, I feel uh, like the, like, it was easier. Like, I feel like the first technologies around this were really, for, for media creation, was really around video. Like, several yeah. years ago, there was start like GoPro and such started producing these apps, and Insta360 has apps that will automatically put together a video. As, as a longtime video editor, I went, oh no, I'm, is, are the pe- companies just going to dump them all in? It yeah. doesn't really work. Like it, yeah. it's it has an idea of maybe where you want to go, but it doesn't understand like like the figurative and literal framing of what you're trying to do and putting a story together. It may have a narrative it kind of wants to follow, exactly. but exactly. story is different. Yeah, you know, and and as a as an occasional uh, uh, prof- you know teacher at uh, at the college level, I am concerned about the availability of this 
in terms of people writing their papers or essays and stuff. And I, and I, I do, I do, I do get nervous that there will be, uh, it'll be used on a widespread basis by some people, not everybody. Yeah. And that's not going to be good because that doesn't, you know, you have, you have to be able to build, you have to, we, it's hard and it's bad enough that, you know, I grew up in a, in a, in an era where before calculators and you learn how to, you know, divide and add and everything. And, you know, now calculators are just everywhere. And I guess they let you use calculators during taking the SAT or something, which is, you know, whatever, but it's, it's like, this is a step beyond that where you have to use your own thought process that, it would be, you know, that's a muscle that we have to keep developing as you, as a species, yeah. is how to think and create. <laughs> yeah. It, well, don't worry, though. Eventually, they're going to turn on the charging for it, and everyone's going to stop using it because it's going to be too much money, and so, we'll move on with our lives. Oh, it's not free anymore. That's right. That's right. Once they make you pay. All right. Let's go over right. some stuff that you actually wrote about instead of <laughs> automated. Uh, over at NHBR.com. So let's start off with there's a lawsuit around a li- around Lime computer systems over some ESOP complaints. Start off with what ESOP means, please. That's it's an employee stock ownership plan, and it's a it's really um, it's 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 becoming more more widely uh, used among businesses. It's uh, actually I, I, my my company that owns us is a Yankee Publishing, and we're a 100 percent employee owned company now. And what it is, it's kind of a way of uh, it, give, it gives the employees the ownership of the company, and it's a little more complicated than that because the employees don't necessarily run the company, but they are the owners of it. So they have shares in the company that they that they earn over time as the longer they stay, and the, and the longer they work there, their, share, their shares gain gain uh, more value, hopefully. And uh, the other thing is that it's run by an independent company kind of that that kind of organ that runs the share management stuff doesn't make the day-to-day decisions of what you know you know that that's gets a board of directors that does that but uh what happened here is this line computer systems which is a federal contractor up in up in uh lebanon pretty pretty well-known company uh they apparently according to some of the employees were kind of manipulating the value or how how the value of the uh, stock of the stock in the in the ESOP and the stock ownership plan, and were when when they found out about when when the employees found out about it, these certain employees they contacted the federal government because it is against the law to do that under federal law. There's there's a very specific law, the ERISA. The, uh, the act that was, I think, passed in the 70s or 80s. And uh, it governs the kind of things like this and 401ks and things like that. They complained to the federal government. And uh, like a day later, when the when the, when the head, the head honchos of the company, who were, they were accusing of doing this, these misdeeds, found out, they, uh, fired, they basically said, you know, you're, you're not, you're on leave now. You don't have a job anymore because we think they, they care about some kind of thing. And they thought that they were, uh, there was some kind of security breach or something like that. But apparently they, it was, it was a kind of, it was, a, it was from what the employees charged it was a direct retaliation for, for actually asking for an investigation of something that was theirs to be able to investigate it's as if you you looked at something from your statement on your ira he said hey wait a second what about what's going on here i want to know what's going on and and someone says well you can't you, we're not going to tell you or whatever and it, it was it's a, i mean i'm talking about this for my own 
understanding of it as as a as a, a, a employee in an ESOP, an employee stock ownership plan. It's you know it's your money. It's your it's your future and. The decisions weren't being made the way they were supposed to be made according to the suit. I mean, this is the, the company wouldn't really wouldn't respond to our questions about it. But uh, according to what the employees say, it was it was really not the, the way an ESOP is supposed to be run. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of those in, the, in this state that uh, you know that that's how they operate according to these very really pretty strict rules. Because it's because it's made a lot of it is for people's retirements. Right. Yeah, that's the big. I mean, you're really messing with people's long-term livelihood after yeah. they're done their career more than anything exactly. else. Exactly. And this seems like a pretty successful ESOP. It was barely the value is up to seven million dollars or something. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big company, and you know, that's that's big chunk of change that you know can't be fooling around with, according to the suit. I mean, I don't want to say that this what exactly. the, allegedly. Yeah. No. Yeah. The, the, the employees are charging it, and we didn't yeah. get a chance to. And the and the and the company had yet to respond. In court, so uh, you know, we, I'm just telling you what they're saying, and but but judging by what they said, you know, they mm-hmm. it is a it is a pretty uh, serious complaint. Yeah, and there's even allegations that they use the uh, paycheck protection program money. Yes, that was the other thing, too, which is super bad and super bonus. red flag for the feds if you do things exactly. like that. Give yourself the bonus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it did. It seemed like some fishy stuff was going on. Yeah, this will be very interesting to follow. I mean, this is this is kind of like I've been I've been talking about, especially the last couple of years about like I, I I spoke about a year ago to Brett Wickard over at Bull Moose Music, who did the same thing with um, Bull Moose when he was looking to 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 leave the company. He was going to leave it to the employees yes. and set up a, a similar program like that. But I mean, this is kind of the danger of what happens to your vision after you've left the company and um, like do do the people you leave it in the hands of do yeah do do right by the employees and allegedly it doesn't look like that was the case yeah i mean because i I'm, under our esop it's, it was the the family the trowbridge family has owned yankee publishing since the beginning and uh they did not want to have a situation where some big media company might buy up the company because you know from from the individual members of the comp of, of the family and so the members of the family said, let's sell it to the employees so that we don't have to worry about it being broken up in any unusual way or way that, that we don't, wouldn't like it. And, uh, you know, have some media company has nothing to do with New Hampshire being involved in, in, in running, you know, because it's not just New Hampshire Business Review and New Hampshire Magazine. It's also, of course, Yankee, Yankee, Yankee Magazine and the Old Farmer's Almanac, which really is a very, very valuable property. Without any doubt, so it's uh, you know you don't you don't want anything bad to happen to something that's been in your family for that long. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, right here towards the end of your article, also the uh, CTO of Nagy allegedly unlawfully accessed one of the email accounts, was able to yes. on Zoom meetings. Just, this is just begging for a this National just, Labor uh, Relations Board this investigation. Is, this is, and, and, and the thing is, it's it's a very uh, it's a very serious uh, a charge of retaliation here. I mean, it would it's not. This is not the way you're supposed to be acting unless, you know, the, it implies some kind of uh, uh, that's trying to cover something up. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Exactly. Well, we'll have to keep our eyes on that because I really <laughs> want to figure out what happens. Like, I've heard of Lime computer systems before. Like they're, they're very well known. and It'll be a big deal if things go really worse. That's right. That's right. 
All right, let's move over to a regular theme when I get you on is uh, real estate in New Hampshire and housing, which is an ongoing issue that hasn't really turned much around to the last few months. But it looks like Path to Homeownership in New Hampshire has turned into a labyrinth. (laughs) Seems like a very appropriate title considering the landscape. Yeah, actually, what what it is that we've kind of looked at what uh, has happened, certainly since COVID, but even before that, about these rising uh, prices for houses and you know it, it, tradition, traditionally under the traditional method people would maybe rent an apartment for a superior time and save money from their, in that period and, and save money for a down payment but since the which is exasperated the, this housing shortage has really exacerbated the shortage of rental units and it's extremely very very low uh, you know vacancy rate of like about 0.3 percent which is almost non-existent of rentals to find and because of that rent prices in in new hampshire have just skyrocketed and so what that means is that people who maybe you know moderate income people you know people you know not, we're not talking about people who are living on the poverty level or you know anywhere near there but people who would normally or traditionally be able to save money over you know let's say eight or ten year period to, for a down payment it's un, it's very 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 difficult to do that now because they have to pay so much for rent i mean if you were paying a thousand dollars a month for rent and you made you know three or four thousand dollars a month you know income you might be able to figure out a way to save some of that money every month but if you're paying two thousand dollars a month rent and it's three thousand or four thousand dollars a month income. You probably can't. It's probably much harder to save money for for a down payment for a house, especially when the houses are so expensive now. Now, if you're looking for a traditional ten percent down payment when the house was two hundred thousand dollars, that's twenty grand. But when it's four hundred thousand dollars, that's forty grand. That's a big difference. It's not. It's it's not an easy thing to do, and and it's harder and harder for people to figure out the way the path to get on that path. They used to be pretty straightforward. It's not anymore. Yeah, and I, I'm 35. I'm like in that demo that should be in a house right now. Yeah, there you go. And, and I'm go. not. It, like I, I'm twelve. I'm twelve and a half years into the workforce at this point. It, a bit. Another big. In, in in addition to the the housing issue is. is my generation was all pushed off to college for the most part, these four-year expensive colleges. So they left yeah. with tens of thousands of student loans yeah. that, I mean, I paid two two rents for 10 years. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's that's another aspect of this is 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 that, that you know, that money that people just have an albatross once they get out of college in terms of paying off that loan. And then you're going to take out another big loan. And uh, it's and now with 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 interest rates rising, that's another aspect of it that the payments are going to be are higher, much higher now than they were a year or so ago. Without you know, by 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 actually a year ago, let's just say a year ago, payments are much much higher based on on the interest rates for mortgages. Yeah, and as we've talked about before, like the these interest rate hikes take take cause issues for months if not years down the line. So like the rates that were adjusted a year ago at this point, basically when. Uh, when we started experiencing the high inflation rate skyrocket, um, I mean they're not going to bring them down till next year. I mean, well, they're not gonna, they're, they're they won't be coming down anytime soon. Yeah. The, 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 the quote unquote good news is that they it seems like they're really heading towards not raising them in another 
quarter or two. They, I think they they have they're confident at this point that the economy is where they think they want it to be. There's still pressures to raise wages because of the job picture, but in other ways, it, they're not seeing it. They're not seeing that inflation the way it was, you know, like seven or eight months ago was really pretty dangerous rates yeah. of inflation. But now it's kind of, you know, for, for someone like me, like I said, I was an old guy who lived through the 70s and early 80s. It's not the same kind of inflation at all, that, that you know, really dangerous kind. And there's so many more people too. I mean, I mean, you gotta consider the population growth of this country over the over the last few decades. Also, yeah. is gonna have an impact. People travel a heck of a lot more from state to state. There's a lot more uh, uh, dynamism with if they're gonna move around. But if there's no job, no place to live for a new yeah. job, I mean, you're not you're not gonna go to that place. It's one of the reasons why it's I've been darn lucky to be able to stay here in Concord for for two employers. Yeah, and well, the other thing is that when you think about it, you know, these a lot of employ employers in New Hampshire. I'll speak specifically because I know that best. Are desperate for people to work for them. There's a lot of job openings in New Hampshire, and that also puts pressure on raising wages because it if there's fewer workers available, you're going to raise the wages to try to attract those people, and that's one of the reasons. That's one of the inflationary pressures. And you know, some you know some interesting thoughts about this that you know we we it's got to be figured out a way to raise. To increase the population of, of not only New Hampshire but this whole country, and you know, with birth rates the way they are, you can't force people to have children, but you certainly can uh, do something about it by by making this country more inviting for immigrants from other, especially skilled immigrants from other countries, and to make and to to, to welcome them into the country because we really need those people for workers to to join our workforce, and uh, it's you know it's unfortunate that the debate has changed so much you know, has, has been skewed so much over the years on immigration when there is that aspect of it as, a, as for our economic well-being to uh to bring more people into the country yeah and weird partnerships with china for yeah. for the college system that ended up being a spy network that they had shut down <laughs> yeah no but like seriously there were people i you know i in that in my classes that i taught at grand state college i had people in my class uh, who came from other countries and some one 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 of them had a law degree and couldn't practice law here yeah. because they'd have to go all through law school again yeah. but this person has you know great skills it was obviously extremely smart made through made through law school you got you know and and she you know she's ended up getting having a really good job not in the law but in something else because she has great skills but you know she came from Colombia I believe and uh you know it's it's a kind of thing you want to welcome these people to to your country to take these jobs these good jobs and, and they'll settle here and they'll have families and you know that's how the country grows that's how the united states historically has grown yeah and just close on this number here. We've got about a minute left from the New Hampshire Council on Housing Stability. Uh, how much uh, housing does New Hampshire need was the question. That's they wrote 23,669 housing units in the state is needed, 12,764 homes and condos, and 10,905 rental units. So, and, that, and, that, and that is right now. Yeah. That's a snapshot in time. It's gonna shoot Each up. day it gets worse. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. All right. Jeff Feingold over at the New Hampshire Business Review. Thank you so much for joining me. Great talking to you, AJ. Take care. NHBR.com to get more from them and NHTalkRadio.com to get more from me. This is New Hampshire Headlines on WKXL.